Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Even a casual reading of the earliest chapters of Genesis will reveal to you that there is a spirituality God endorses and a spirituality God rejects. You may recall the man and the woman in their rebellion partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And their eyes were opened. They were ashamed and naked and afraid and they hid themselves from the presence of God. And the death that God said they would experience is encapsulated in that word hiding from the presence of God. They were now at odds with God, separated from God, distant from God. And now they're in a place of fear and condemnation and guilt and timidity and inferiority and in shame and in regret. And so in that place of hiding, in that place of spiritual death, in that place of fallenness, one might say, the man and the woman concocted a brilliant plan. What if we stitch fig leaves together and create ourselves a wardrobe? What if we clean up our act? What if we deck ourselves out with the best of the best of God's creation and um, so that when God ever shows up on the scene, we would be accepted. We would be becoming. We would be approved. And you might expect the Lord to commend them for their effort to clean up their act. But God does not compliment them one bit for their fig leaf spirituality. In fact, God rejects it to the uttermost. And the reason I can say God rejected their self-effort, their self-imposed religion, Paul would say in the book of Colossians chapter 2, their self-imposed worship. Fig leaves is what they thought they could bring to God. But God rejected that by clothing them instead with the skins of a sacrificial animal. The man and the woman wanted to clean up their own act and script their own formula and through their own effort and through their own works make themselves approved unto God. But God said no. God took an animal, an innocent animal at that, and sacrificed its life. And God took the skins off of that animal And perhaps clothed the man and the woman with that blood-drenched, blood-soaked skins. And that sacrificial animal is prophetically indicative of none other than the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And the way that man will experience union with God the way that man will experience restoration 
intimacy, closeness, oneness, righteousness, love, the way that man will become acceptable before the Lord is not when man stitch fig leaves together, but it's when God clothes you with the finished work of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when man is clothed with Jesus and then lives in him, abides in him, not only believes in him, but moves in him and have a rhythm in him, and then man live out of the resources and the supply that comes from the work of the cross, that kind of spirituality is accepted before God. That lifestyle is accepted, where when you and I script what we think God may like, that spirituality is rejected. There was a book I read long ago in which the author, in a comedic way, stated that what if we were to bake God an apple pie all of our lives, only to discover in the end God does not like apple pie. And it was the author's tongue-in-cheek way of saying that you and I can be much ado about nothing when we script what we think God likes. And that's, of course, what the man and the woman did there in the garden. Maybe God would approve of us when we clean up our act. And that spirituality, God rejects. God's economy is altogether different than you and I's economy. God's economy is impartation. Man's economy is reformation. To reform. God's economy is to impart life into you as the engine that will drive the Christian life. Remember John chapter 6, verse 57. Those who eat me will live by me. We live by the indwelling of the Lord that is imparted. Another word we can even use is incarnation. Incarnation. Even the word oneness. The two becoming one. This is what life represents. Is God in me and me in God. Becoming one. And I live out the Christian life by the indwelling of the Lord. As it were, God incarnates into me. Inasmuch as I take a sip of coffee, the coffee and I become one. We eat pizza, the pizza and I become one. This is what life represents. It is an experience that is subjective. It's indwelling. It's subjective. This is how God's economy operates. I want to become 
one with people, incarnate myself into them. Aha! The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is entirely different. And I want to ask you to help me with some words to describe how you and I live, how fallen man, how even the natural man, how the self-wise man, even the religionized person lives. Well, we don't live by a subjective indwelling Lord. We live in a kind of an objective way. And you know what objective people do? It's instead of living by an impartation, living by an indwelling, we live by a kind of an imitation. We imitate the things of God. And you know what we do? We copy. We copy. Here, God Himself is my life. On the other side, I copy the things of life. And here my obsession is to reform myself, hence the personal wardrobe choice. Here I try to make myself acceptable before the Lord. Here I use the elements of the world, but that doesn't have a life form in it. It's not ordained of God. And here I try to present myself and clean up myself and reform myself. Here I even try to imitate God from a distance. I try to copycat God. Here I'm a partaker I'm a partner with God. I'm one with God. This is the whole big issue here is oneness with God. Now give me some other words of how we live the religion life apart from life. Some other words. Distance. Separated. Copycat. Imitation. We try to reform ourselves. Other words. Very good. Striving. Very good. Striving. Calculating. In, in other words, we kind of like come up with formulas, right? Formulaic. Formulas, yeah. What else? We make it up as we go. Instead of living by an indwelling supply... We just initiate it here, make it up as we go, imaginative. What else? How do we try to live this religious life, the so-called Christian life? What's been your experience? Frustration. Well, that's the fruit of it all, yeah. <laughs> but initially, I'm not setting out to be a frustrated Christian. I'm going to like sow some fig leaves together. Come on. Yeah. Self-righteousness. Absolutely. Self-rightness. Self-righteousness. Self-right. Yeah. How do we arrive at self-rightness? Well, self-effort. Self-wisdom. Self-knowledge. What else? What's been your experience? I feel like when you think about trying to come yourself up with big leaps, Self-preservation. Exactly. Very good. Self-preserving. Focusing on like people rather than the Lord. Mm. They're doing it. 
like being obsessed with like movements. And mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think many of us are people oriented and fed movement oriented instead of Christ oriented. Yeah. Good word. What else? What's been your experience? Just wanting like immediate affirmation. Things. Yeah. Results. Results. Very good word. There's the word I'm looking for. Results. Because after all, that was the temptation, was it not? If you eat this, you will be like God and you'll know everything that God knows now. Oh, that is tempting. Is that not just tempting? Results. After all, if you take these steps and if you do exactly this way, then uh, you can have results. Very good. Hey, I want to sum it up in one word. Death. Death. So no matter how we spin this good, evil, knowledge, Jesus, uh, God says there in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 2, when you eat this, in dying, you will surely die. You get cut from being a partaker of God. You get cut from the impartation of God. You're cut from the indwelling of God. Oneness, intimacy. And now you're left sort of to your own devices. And this is the birth of religion. Religion is doing all of these many things to somehow appease God, cover ourselves, improve ourselves. We are about improvement. Is that not just a good word? Self-improvement. We all realize something has horribly gone wrong with me. And so I set out to self-improve. Now, there's nothing wrong with learning and improving yourself, but when it comes to a walk with God, it's not like I can try to improve and figure it all out. God's economy is entirely different. We live by His indwelling. And this is the secret of the Christian life, is to learn how to receive this indwelling Lord. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Can you see the context? Stop sleeping around, Corinthian people. Verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute... Is one body. For he says the two shall be one flesh. And then notice verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. This is the tree of life. This is indwelling. This is oneness. This is God's economy. Is that you and I live from a place of oneness. And Paul throws out the most remarkable spiritual truth here. When a man sleeps with a woman, they become one flesh. But when you believe into God, you become one 
in spirit with Him. That means He begins to live in you and you begin to live in Him. And you live by an indwelling Lord. You don't live at a distance just copycatting God, making up stuff. You actually live by the supply within. In fact, notice the next few verses here. Paul says in verse 18, Flee fornication. Every sin which a man may do is outside the body, but he who commits fornication sins against his own body. And then in verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And notice that word, within you. Within. Whom you have from God and not your own. For you've been bought with a price, so then glorify God in your body. The point is very simple. We as humans can become one through physical interaction. But inside of you is a capacity to also interact with God. And as much as humans experience oneness in your spirit, you can experience oneness with the Lord. And it is a oneness that pertains to eternity. When people get together, it's for a night. Yeah? When you and the Lord get together, it's an eternal situation because you join and mingle with the eternal Spirit of God. Humans visit each other. Here, we don't visit God. We live and move in God. Here, we have select times, visitations, get-togethers. Here, it's a lifestyle that I'm preaching. Jesus did not die so that you and God can have visitation hours with each other. God's blood was shed so that you could receive this indwelling life. And I remind you, one of the characteristics of this life is it has this eternal capacity. It just is eternal. That means you and I can live in God as a lifestyle instead of just visiting God. We live by an indwelling nature. That's the word I really want you to get into your heart, is that we live by the nature of God. We're not just at a distance anymore visiting God and checking in on a Sunday morning and checking in at a quiet time here and checking in at a conference there. You've got to get to that place where you and I live and move and our entire being is in and by God. This is the normal Christian life. This is God's economy. Here you and I involve all sorts of mechanical formulaic processes to get a kind of a feeling. And here, we just live. We just live. In fact, the Lord just quickened me. Go quickly to uh, the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation 3. But notice what is said here in verse 1 and onwards, And to the messenger of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. Notice that word, works. 
And just prior to that, we had the, uh, the word seven spirits. So you see the spirit of God here versus the works of men. Yeah? I know your works, that you have a name, that you are living. But in all actuality, you are dead. Do you see that? There is the seven spirits of God. And here is the works of the Christians. And it's almost immediately that a contrast is set up. Here, we live by the indwelling spirit. Here, we live in a system of works, of what is good and evil. And the Lord says here, you have a reputation. You have the appearance. You are actually known. You have a name that you are living because of all the many things that you do, it just looks like you're alive. But the Lord's verdict is, you're not. You're dead. This is religion, saints, where we are so much ado about nothing. Fig leaves from morning to evening. And we have such a wardrobe of self-made, self-imposed worship that it looks like we are alive on every front and the Lord would take an x-ray shot in the condition of our inner man. He says, uh-uh, I know your works. You're much ado about everything. You're all over the place, but you're actually not in the source. You're in fig leaves. You're not in blood. You're not in the indwelling spirit. Even the sevenfold Spirit of God, you are just in the self. Isn't that an interesting word? Notice verse 2 Become watchful and establish the things that remain, which were about to die. The things of the Lord are slowly fading. And the things of man is rising. Things of God is about to die. The things of man, oh, it's about to rise up and be strong. And it's as though the works of man and all of our religious mechanical formulaic approaches is gaining strength, momentum. It's becoming the standard in the indwelling of the Lord. It's slowly fading. And the Lord says here, I have found that none of your works are completed before my throne. What a word. You guys have been doing so much stuff, stitching so many outfits together, and all that work that was outside of the source, God judges it incomplete even though it may have a global status. So we have to search a little bit our inner man. We have to search our past experiences. How many things have you done outside of the blood of Jesus, the life of God, the indwelling of the Spirit, 
so many things and so many offerings and fire that we even bring before the Lord. It says, here is my portion and this is what I've got to give. And we just make it sort of up and this is my work, Lord. Please bless it. It's not that the Lord is against good works. But the whole focus is who is the source? Y'all with me? I was just reminded of Acts 19. We know that Paul is out there ministering in Asia, Macedonia, Achaia, Greece. You've memorized all of those things. Galatia, you remember all of that? And uh, notice here Acts 19 in verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper districts, came down to Ephesus and he found some disciples. Whoa, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Followers of Jesus. <laughs> Score. But Paul, he has a revelation. Paul has a revelation. It's not just that we have the appearance that we are alive. We must have the actuality, the reality that we're alive. So it may even look like there's a group of disciples here, but Paul is not completely ecstatic about that. He will actually interrogate them. Because it's not just the appearance that counts, it's the actuality that counts. So he will interrogate them here. He says, um, he found some disciples in verse 2, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Can you imagine what an awkward question that is? We walk up to a group of folk, Hey, y'all! Hey! Praise the Lord! Are you all Christians? Yeah! Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Oh, that would be bad. That is the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. But I want you to notice a man here who has such a revelation that we become one with God in spirit. We are not just copycat followers from a distance. You know, a disciple really is trained to copy his rabbi, his master. And yes, we are in a discipleship school, but I'm telling you, we're not doing it entirely the rabbinic way where you copy the teacher. Uh -uh. In this school, we are opening ourselves up to a spiritual indwelling. This ain't the imitation game, gang. This is the indwelling life. And Paul had this revelation. It's not just enough to have the appearance that we're living. We must have the actuality. So he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I suppose we can ask one another now. Remember that day that you believed? Did you just believe into a way, a philosophy, a kind of a truth? Or did you believe in such a strong way that an interaction took place? A transference took place. An indwelling occurred. That... It's what Paul was preaching. I wonder if we preach this anymore today. I think for many of us, just even if we just confess the name Jesus, we would like consider you one of the flock. And Paul was like, mm -mm 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 -mm. not so fast. Mm 
They said to him, on the contrary, we did not even hear whether there is a Holy Spirit. And I submit to you, many of us, many of us, we became followers of Christ because it's the culturally right thing to do. We became followers of Christ because our parents mandated we do. We became followers of Christ because we had to go to Christian school. We're in a Christian culture. We became followers of Christ because it's just the right thing to do in our culture. And if Paul was to stand up maybe in front of us, he would not be impressed that you and I have a t-shirt that says School of Discipleship, <laughs> Follower of Jesus. I believe Paul would also interrogate us and say, Hey, 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 are you in the Spirit of God living in oneness? God's economy is different because the foundation is different. The foundation is different. The foundation is just God. Amen! Here, on the other side, the foundation is guilt. Shame. The foundation is distance. And so from that foundation of guilt, I'm going to do works. I'm going to try to do penance. I'm going to try to improve. Because the foundation is completely wrong. Therefore, the fruit of it is also wrong. Remember, whatever the entrance is, whatever the start is, it determines the whole way. If the start is wrong, then whatever comes out of it is going to be wrong. Yeah? Here, the start is just God. God is the tree of life. Hallelujah! So, whatever we do now, we manifest life. We're the byproduct. We bear the fruit of life. The foundation is different. On the right, I have a quote. Man is deceived into thinking that he can be the cause of his own effect. It is for this reason that the cumulative, the, the cumulative result of man's efforts to sanctify himself always falls short of the miraculous. In other words, if you are the cause of your own Christian life, there will be no imprint of the miraculous on it. Here, you live by God and it has the imprint of the miraculous nonstop because you live by the supply that is supernatural. It's miraculous. Hallelujah. Point number two. God's economy is different from man's economy because the method is different. The method. Here, we live in the method of the Spirit. We live in the method of life. Here we live in the method of love. The love of God that compels us. And above all, we live in the method of grace. God's grace. This is how we live the Christian life. We live by an indwelling supply that is supernatural. Grace. Grace is a gift. It's an impartation. It's a supply. And we just, we pray by grace. We fast by grace. We mission, evangelize by grace. 
Yeah. On the other hand, we do everything by condemnation and fear and guilt, inferiority, shame. The method is entirely different. Paul says there on the right in Galatians 3, you started in the method of the Spirit. Now are you trying to be perfected through the method of the flesh and the law and works? Notice the sub-bullets. Come on, let's finish up the sub-bullets. Man's reformation is by way of exerting human strength, even inflicting harsh treatment on the body, trying to subdue the passions and thereby supposedly bringing forth the good in man. God's deliverance is by putting His Spirit into us, His divine life into us, and from that divine life within, He begins a work in our spirit. He begins a work that spreads through our soul, and He begins a work that will end up in our bodies completely being made alive. God works from the inside out, and He works by the principle of grace and spirit and life. And light, man works by the principle of fig leaves. And then number three, God's economy is different. Because the result is different. The result. God's foundation is different. The beginning is different. Therefore, the way is different. And the end is altogether different. The result. And let's wrap this up. The result of living by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The result. The highest peak that you can climb to in self-effort, in works, in strong determination, in religion. The highest plane that you can get to. The highest plane is good. This is the highest plane we can get to in religion. And look how low it is still. The highest plane that we can get to living by the Spirit, the result of the indwelling Lord, is that we experience this thing the Bible talks about called transformation. Yeah? And you know what transformation will do for us? Fasten your seatbelt. We have a word that we're afraid to use, and I will now go ahead and use it. Glorification. You will be glorified. Glorified means completely transformed in every particle of my being so that I become a partaker of the divine Ooh. nature of God. I find this to be the most appealing aspect of walking with God, is that He's constantly transforming me sanctifying me, cleansing me from an inward reality so that in due time I will be glorified and fully manifested as of God. Currently we still look a lot like of mom and dad. 
of culture, of the world. But God is sanctifying us to get us to this high level, partaker of the divine, glorified. And those of us who still live a very religious life, the highest level we can climb to is, hey, I'm good. I don't sin. I'm a good human. In God's economy, the foundation is different. His way is entirely different. And the result, oh my, it's glorious. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. Here, it's good. Good is good, but it's altogether on a different level than God. Amen? So, Lord, even with this, I just want to say we... Uh, we ask that you would sanctify us, spirit, soul, and body. And we welcome the transforming hand of God in our lives. And you touch us sometimes from the outside in, and that's tough, and, but we welcome it. But we know that you are sanctifying us also even more from the inside out by a continuous flow and a continuous filling on the inside, you are lifting up the nature of God in us. And it pushes out the nature of self, the nature of independence, the nature of religion. Thank you, Lord, that you're organically, spiritually delivering us from a life of fig leaves. Hallelujah. And we welcome the clothing of blood life that was shed so that we could be partakers of the divine nature. We thank you again for the Lamb of God, our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.